When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. First off, thank you so much for uh, making your way here, checking out this episode and this series. Hopefully, if you like what you hear and you're not already, you'll hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the interviews that we put out every single week. In fact, it's uh, three interviews a week, uh, one Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world and again you can find us at uh, all the major uh, podcast hotspots like itunes apple Podcasts, spotify or youtube where there's also a video version of this we recorded this interview over zoom so you can uh, you can do the watch on youtube as well just type in kyle meredith with hit subscribe we'll take care of the rest and i'm kyle meredith today i'm going to be talking with gang of fours john king the vocalist has helped put together a brand new box set, Gang of Four, 77 to 81, that includes uh, the two seminal albums, uh, Entertainment and Solid Gold, as well as a live album, live at the American Indian Center, taped in 1980, and a cassette full of demos, unreleased cuts, etc., and a big old book. And John's going to tell us all about this, uh, why he wanted to do the box set, and all the goodies therein. We'll also talk about, you know, those early days. In fact, uh, there's some rejection letters that their uh, new record label, uh, Matador Records, has shared the rejection letters that uh, Gang of Four had to put up with uh, from all the other labels that turned them down. 
Uh, he'll tell us about uh, their love of a Hendrix and funk music that helped influence the style that they did, what they had in common at the time, especially with hip-hop rap. Uh, they would tour with Public Enemy in the 80s and recently were just sampled by Run the Jewels on the new Run the Jewels 4 record. So we'll get to hear about that as well. Uh, John goes on to talk about what late what uh, British life was in the late 70s. Uh, paints a very bleak dire dark picture and how those songs speak to now you i don't i don't have to draw the conclusion there you can you know what i'm talking about uh there were nazis at their shows back then there are still nazis today we also talk about that he tells us why that live at the american indian center uh concert was special and furthermore how their music continues to get used today uh whether it's in television shows like 13 reasons why movies like the manchurian candidate and marie antoinette all of that and so much more. Let's jump into it. It's Kyle Meredith with Gang of Four. Hiya. I received the box set uh, uh, yesterday afternoon, so I'm very pleased. So so for us fans, it's it's kind of like, you know, opening up the toy box or whatever. Uh, you've been a part of the process, but is there kind of a sense to that in any way? It's been a long process because it, uh, as it is, is described in the, there's a book inside the, the box set, 100 page book, and it describes how uh, a friend of ours got in touch about three years ago and said, oh, by the way, your old contract with uh, Warner Brothers runs out, you know, could 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 run out in a couple of years if you want it to, because the American uh, uh, Congress has passed this very enlightened law. It's really good. Uh, it's the only country in the world where artists can get back their catalogue after 40 years if they choose. And uh, it's a little known uh, or little used law. And so we were able to uh, take advantage of that and there was a sunset uh, window of two years uh, in which in which time um, uh, record companies are allowed to kind of come back and say we'll give you better terms because in the olden days um, when we signed contracts they were for physical product and of course physical product did have breakages and distribution and manufacturing costs and the royalties of were typically like 10 15 percent but of course, for digital commodities, I mean, that is just the most outrageous uh, uh, daylight robbery. And um, so uh, anyway, we went through that. And uh, I started work on this thing um, as, uh, as my sort of pet project about, I don't know, about um, a year ago on, on the actual box set itself to, to do something that was really special. We wanted to honour our, our legacy and honour our fans. You know, we've done something that is, is as uh, affordable as it could possibly be. And as special as it could possibly be, so it's full of. I've got one right here. I can show you it in a second if you like. Yeah, pull it up. Pull it up. We'll, we'll look at that, and, and obviously everybody will be able to check it out uh, online at the sites too. And so, you know, you, you the band has that you all have signed on with beggars for this, um, which just seems perfect. Um, you, you know, I, I thought it was really funny, and I'll say specifically Matador Records uh, in the Beggars Group, um, who Matador posted. I think it was on. It's probably on their socials. All of them. I saw it on Twitter. Um, it started out with just your rejection letters in the early days yeah. to all of the other labels who said, we don't want you. Thanks. Yeah. They, they, they all seem very nice about it. That's what I thought was interesting. Everybody was like, oh, keep doing what you're doing, but we don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, well, actually, some of them were pretty rude. I mean, it's, it's a shame, actually, the people that were more abusive uh, didn't write it in a letter. You know, uh, so the, the one, my favorite one is the one from Stiff Records back in the day, which has got a stamp on it that says, in the dumper. And... Uh, <laughs> So that was that was good. We got we everyone said no to us. They thought we were too left field, really. 
until they started saying yes. Yeah, which is interesting because it does seem like at that time people were starting to take more chances. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, we have the luxury of hindsight now. But like, it is one of those things like, how couldn't you see this? How couldn't you hear it? Because, because I guess it's because you were, you were doing something new. Do you feel like you were doing something new? Because now it looks like you were absolutely doing something new. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, when you start off doing, making music or making art, you try and do something that is absent. You know, you, 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 there's things out there that you really love and uh, you really value, you know, and um, you want to do something that is your, has your own flavour to it. So I guess you, 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 obviously you always want to do something that's fresh, but um, I, don't, I don't know about being sure that what you were doing was absolutely new. I knew there was nothing like it, mm. but I didn't, I'm not sure if I'm answering that very well. The thing I saw about the time, you know, as, as we look at this box set, 7781, um, it's not like punk was old at this point. It's, it's not like it was even really passe by this point or whatever, but it, it, it sounded like you all were already trying to make something new out of something new, you know? And I think that's what the most interesting thing about it is, is that, you know, this wasn't five years later. It was like, okay, we can't be doing what the Pistols did. You know, we, we can't yeah. even be doing what Black Flag is about to do, whatever it is, you know? It's, it's almost like it happened and you all immediately went, okay, throw it out, we're going to do yeah. something different. Yeah, I think um, something that, you know, we, Andy and me, loved was uh, guitar music. You know, Hend- you know Hendrix was, was a, a god, you know, to us. And, uh, you know, the day he died, we wore black armbands to school, you know, that kind of thing. And, of course, funk music, you know, so we liked, and we liked the British sort of angular music. And I think something that wasn't around in, in punk rock was uh, I think that uh, danceability uh, mm-hmm. side to it, the funk side to it. Um, it didn't surprise me that uh, the Chili Peppers, you know, when we first bumped into them, you know, were huge fans at, and um, of, of ours, and um, and it became to be called I think punk funk. Uh, you know, so that sort of that combination wasn't around, and, and we love dancing and we love funk music. We also like really really loud guitar music, and. Uh, you know, I love the Ramones. I mean, you know, they, I saw the Ramones so many times. I just loved them, you know, and uh, I adore what they did. And I think we all particularly liked American music more than British music. So more that New York type flavour of punk, you know, the television, talking heads, mm-hmm. uh, end of things, rather than, say, the Sex Pistols. I look at hip hop too because it would be a few more years because till hip hop really got in the mainstream attention. So yeah. I, I don't even I don't even know if you were aware of it when you guys first started um, because it was such an infancy. I mean, it was a neighborhood sound more than anything uh, yeah. in the in the New York boroughs. But it's interesting to hear what you all were doing and think it wasn't so different from what they were doing uh, with hip hop. Yeah. And, and you're talking about danceability with a message. Yeah, did you yeah. hear yourself? I mean, whenever you, you know, whenever you became hip to, to rap, did you hear what you all were doing in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I, I was a big fan at the time of Public Enemy. In fact, we toured around America with Public Enemy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which was uh, quite funny. And, uh, and it seemed like quite a good pa- pairing. It was actually us, Public Enemy and Sisters of Mercy, went around America wow. together uh, until there were all sorts of issues. And, but, they, but I really liked what they, what they were doing. I respected that a lot because it was introducing yeah, s- stories about real life. 
you know, and there's nothing wrong with fantasy life and nothing wrong with stories about fantasy life, but to say something about what it was like to be alive uh, was uh, really, really exciting. And I'm, I'm like, at the moment, you know, the thing that I'm, you know, I feel very flattered by is Run the Jewels, uh, 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 riffing off of uh, some of the things that we did. And because I, I really think they're a tremendous uh, uh, bunch. And um, yeah, so I, I, I've always been a big fan of hip hop. And talking about Run the Jewels, I mean, uh, I'm looking at what was it, uh, Ether, right? Uh, they they yeah. took Ether and, and did it on the new uh, uh, Four album. Yeah. Like, okay, Ether is a classic. Yeah. Written about many times. Mm. Hard to take something like that and, and make it something interesting, but holy cow. I mean, Run the Jewels, they do it every single time. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, so how did that come? It, like, it was L, right? LP, he's uh, he was just a big fan, right? Yeah, really big fan. And um, Dave used to work at uh, Apple Music, uh, Dave Allen, our bass player, uh, after the band. And I think he bumped into one or other than somewhere or other. You know, like, um, you know, when Frank Ocean did uh, sampled some of our stuff a few years back. So Dave, mm-hmm. I think it was through Dave. And I was, I think we were all really pleased when they said, do you, do you mind if we, if we uh, use some of your tracks? for these ideas that we've got. And we said, yeah, sure, you know. Um, and um, uh, I, I, that's really how it came about. I think it was a, a meeting of minds and then they had already worked on some stuff and they immediately revealed what they were working on. And one of which was the, uh, the Ether song. And yeah. I thought, that's very cool, you know, I liked it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what they do with that stuff. And, yeah. and it just goes to show, I mean, it goes to show what we're talking about here, how your music and especially your message, how it keeps speaking you know, to new generations and to new eras, which is one point I'm sure flattering and frustrating at the same time. I, I know that's sort of the double-sided coin here. I mean, you know, here we are in an anxious time once again. And it's interesting that, you know, when we're in these moments, it seem like it seems like what a lot of us do, it's not like we try to go listen to happy music to get away from the anxious feelings. We yeah. lean into it. We, lean, we, we look for the music that mirrors us. When you look back at, you know, what you were doing when you first wrote these songs, I mean, that seems to me what, you know, was kind of happening there too. Was, was that the case? Yes. I mean, I actually, the, um, in the book that is in the box set, there's an introductory little essay which I wrote about how terrible it was to live in Britain in uh, the late 70s and early 80s. I mean, it was really a disaster, a mass unemployment, terrible poverty, uh, the government was looking like there was going to be a, a coup d'état. Uh, there was, uh, but then afterwards it was uh, uh, declared by members of the security forces that that was what they were planning. You know, there were assassinations, there were bombings. There was a kind of parallel existence. It was pretty bad. And um, it, it struck me as, it was quite surprising to me at the time that uh, people weren't writing so much about that. But like you said, when people heard, say, the specials, Ghost Town, mm-hmm. you go, that's what, that's what life is like. You know, somehow or other, all, all, of, all the factories are, turning down, are closing down, opportunities are sort of going. But what is it that we can do to feel proud and strong and make things better? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's uh, obviously these are tense times. And obviously um, uh, people are very worried about that. I mean, uh, one of the songs on... Um, uh, that was my favourite life song called He'd Send in the Army is all about 
someone with extremely uh, hard right ideas about how the family should be and about how society should be and all that kind of stuff and and uh, and uh, the automatic knee-jerk reaction is to try to use force these are recurrent recurrent ideas i guess you know like the line that jared kushner recently said about black people of uh Oh, they need to want it to be successful. They're not successful because they don't want it. I mean, that, what a gross line that is. But I immediately thought of this song, Paralyzed. Oh, yes. You yeah. know, because there is a line, I think I've got it right here. I, I'm I, probably getting it a little bit off, but wealth is for the ones who want it. Paradise, if you can earn it. You know, yeah. so here we are once again. I mean, and that's, it's an obvious question, but I, I'm sure when you look out, you still see the things that you're singing about 40 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, I, there used to be a sort of cliche that was said about people's political points of view. You know, it was that if you're not a socialist when you're young, you haven't got a heart. And if you're not a conservative when you're old, you haven't got a brain. Right. Well, actually, that's, you know, I still feel uh, that, that we have an obligation to help each other and, and to do the right thing by each other and that people don't succeed just because of their benefits. We don't, we don't really, certainly in the United States and the United Kingdom, which are quite similar, we don't have a meritocracy. We have something much closer to an oligarchy where privileged people um, uh, have huge advantages over over others. And, uh, of course, what COVID has shown, the people who are suffering the most from it are people who have poor health care and poor living standards and terrible jobs. They're the ones who are overwhelmingly um, getting the condition the worst and um, dying the most. You know, as we jump back and forth on the timeline here too, what we're talking about now versus what was happening, especially in the late seventies, you know, so entertainment comes out, you know, you, you do get signed, the record does come out, you, you start getting it out there, people start finding it. And then a couple of years later, Solid Gold. I've always felt like Solid Gold feels like a darker album, which is kind of funny to say, considering what you're already talking about on entertainment. It, it, do you feel like that's the, I mean, was, was that how you perceived it as well? Does it get darker and, and why is that? I, I know what you're saying. I mean, some of the songs on there, like What We'll Want, uh, which is, uh, I think, is one of my favorite tracks and Paralyzed, of course, is on there. And um, and and there were, we, we, we'd worked with, uh, then with Jimmy Douglas, who used to be, he was an amazing producer. He worked with uh, Slave and a lot of really big American AOR acts as well. I mean, but he, he brought an edge to it and he, um, I think encouraged, he really seriously encouraged uh, me personally anyway to, to think about my lyrics and to really uh, go even further. I, mean, I, th I think that, I think there's more, it's a, a more emotional record than the first one, if I'm mm -hmm. responding to you. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the first one, I, when I was writing the, the words for that, I was often writing in the third person. And the, the, the second album is much more about has more feeling in it you know more that feeling of uh looking at yourself and feeling things aren't right whereas the first one tend to be more like narratives like miniature little plays i'd read at some point that you guys even you know i i think the word at one point was battling the nazis even at the live show i mean skinheads and fascists it, was that true like they were showing up at your sh at your shows i mean once again, because I'm saying this because here we are again, you know, as they're marching through Charlottesville. Yeah, that's true. Um, the, it was it was quite difficult at that time. Um, there was we were one of the founder members of the uh, anti-Nazi league in uh, Britain, and it was a massive movement. I mean, we were just one of 40 acts, 
and um, I, I uh, the great privilege of putting the book together in the box has been to sort of get all the things that we were up to. There's loads of photographs on the back of trucks uh, on these uh, anti-Nazi League demonstrations, and we toured with. Uh, uh, typically, there's a punk rock band, a band like us, or by our sort of flavour, a bit left field, and then there'd be a reggae band, you know. So we toured mm-hmm. the UK with Misty and Roots, who were a really big reggae band then. Mm-hmm. And it, that that was the idea of sort of solidarity through music. And um, it was quite dangerous at times. Uh, and, uh, yeah, things got quite hairy. And uh, <laughs> it, was quite, uh, it was quite a thing. And, and again, I mean... I hate to keep repeating myself, but it is just incredible that, you know, these people still exist, you know, and here we are. It's, it's, it's very difficult, I, I think, for to sort of, I suppose, to underplay the sense of resentment of, of people who felt they had, uh, I know people talk about entitlement and privilege and, and the like, but when people think that their uh, expectations of a sort of, I suppose, uh, an automatic pass to social superiority is being chipped away mm. and um, react very, very uh, aggressively towards that. And it's, obviously it's not just right now, but it's, or 40 years ago, it was 40 years before that. Right. Um, there's a, there's a, a marvellous photograph, which I, I can put in the book, of the uh, rally in Madison Square Gardens in 1939 of 20,000 uh, Nazis surrounded by a massive uh, image of George Washington, who they claimed was the world's first uh, fascist, which of course he wasn't. Uh, but um, it's quite a sort of really shocking, shocking image. Uh, I used it to illustrate that song, History's Bunk, which was the B-side of one of the uh, singles. But that meeting was di- was disrupted by uh, a great American journalist who kept shouting bunk to, dis- to disturb their... Uh, horrible speeches. I just learned about that rally for the first time recently. Uh, I think I just saw that picture and it, it is one of those like, oh God moments, you know, like, oh. It's incredible, isn't it? It's, it's astounding and Madison Square got absolutely sold out and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a shocking image. Um, I, I want to hit on some of the uh, some of the box set too, some of the, the new parts of it, because again, you do have entertainment, you do have solid gold. Uh, there's a whole lot of B-sides and, and demos on here. There's also a live show, and that's uh, live at the American Indian Center, 1980. Um, well, first off, was there any reason why you, you singled this one out? And, and second, what do you remember about it? Well, it, it, it's one of those really happy accidents, really, in that when we were doing our first tour of the United States, we were touring either playing on our own or with the Buzzcocks. And we were great friends with the Buzzcocks. You know, they lived in, in Manchester and we were in Leeds, which was only like 30 miles apart. And uh, they uh, were very uh, generous to us. So when we weren't gigging with them, uh, we would be playing our own shows. And uh, we had uh, a, huge, a huge show that was lined up at the, uh, uh, the Geary Temple in uh, San Francisco, on the same street where the Fillmore West is. Mm-hmm. with the Buzzcocks, which, which actually came to be a, a great breakthrough for us in, in the US. But the night before, we played this, this the American Indian Centre. And it was one of those things that we were so pleased to be uh, involved in. I and mean, Andy uh, was obsessed with the American Plains Indians uh, as a teenager and uh, uh, loved everything about the great Lakota chief, Sitting Bull, and he made a poster of him. He was a great hero of... of uh, of Andy's and ours, and we 
totally um, felt sympathy and and and, and uh, solidarity with all that, that the Native American movement. And so when we played there, it was a fantastic show. I mean, it was just one of the. Sometimes you do a show and you think, God, well, how, how is it that we're lucky enough to be playing this kind of stuff in such a great audience, in such a great place? And it, it was a brilliant show. It wasn't, and it was broadcast live on a radio station. It wasn't until a few years later that, that some bootlegs started emerging and it turned out that, that uh, a desk recording had been made of the show and it had been one of these things that passed around like a sort of Samizdat tape. So we thought it was fabulous. And I thought it had gone away. And then during the research for it, uh, we found out that these tapes still existed and uh, we got in touch with him and said, hey, well, let's, let's, let's put this out. And he was so pleased to share these things. Obviously, I guess he sort of shouldn't have done it in the first place, but I mean, you know, who cares, you know? <laughs> and uh, so no, it, really, it really is significant to us. And it was 1980. So what we wanted to show, the, the work that, that, uh, that was uh, the most exciting and thrilling was was on those first two albums and those uh, those shows we played all the time we played every every night we possibly could and we got we got quite good by the time we were ended up on the west coast and it's just that sort of really it was like um uh i remember when i first saw a washington go-go concert go-go music yeah. and you know how you have two drum kits and no one no one actually ever stops it just goes on and on and on and on and on and that's what we wanted to be like. We wanted it to be like a train, you know, just 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 racing along and never stop, never pausing really for breath. Just as you know. Well, I, I'll say, you know, prepping for this interview and everything, I went back and I was watching a lot of old live stuff. And you know, there's not always a connection when you're watching something on YouTube or whatever. I, I completely had that connection with. I mean, you what you all were doing was so exciting. Watching every single one of you all. I mean, it's just it's like. It sort of is mesmerizing and mind blowing too, you know. Yeah. I wasn't there, you know. I wasn't. I was born uh, in '81, as this box set <laughs> wraps up yeah. and everything. That, that was my year, so I, I didn't get, you know, the the privilege of being there. But I can only imagine because of how exciting it still is, even to watch on TV. You know, it's yeah. yeah. No, it was it was it was such a thrill, and and, and I mean, I mentioned. Uh, I think it was, I'm not sure the, the night after or two nights after when we played the Geary Temple. I mean, it was the most sleazy, falling apart, ruinous building. It was a great place to do a, a show in. And it was steamingly hot. Um, but, you know, when we went on, it was, I think it was like 110 degrees on stage, something like that. It was really, really, really hot. So I think it was 90 degrees outside the theatre. So we had lights and then stuff. And we went on and, and it was just like the most... You're, you're in the middle of a sort of uh, uh, a great sort of blitz of emotion and feeling. And it was just like you're part of a, a juggernaut. And I lost, uh, I think it was about four pounds in an hour and a, hour and a quarter of <laughs> weight. We were lying down with my head in that great bucket of ice and it was all steam coming off from the oh, melting ice from my head. And, but it was, um, it was a great thrill, you know. Um, and that was, the, that was what we focused on, never, ever... Like you had your foot on the gas and you were just going to go on. Uh, I want to quickly ask as we wrap up here about, uh, uh, you know, what else we have to look forward to. I know in the past, I read you done some music work for uh, the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why, which of course you've done, you know, some TV work through the years. Yeah. Uh, you got more of that on the way? Well, every now and again, some, um, you know, we get asked if, if uh, that our music can be used on a, on a movie or a TV series or, or something like that. And, 
but not writing specifically for things. I think it's looking at the catalogue and saying, I see. we'd like to use uh, like to use it for something or other. And um, you know, sometimes it's just a fantastic uh, thrill, you know, like um, uh, to have uh, anthrax used on the Manchurian candidate was a, was a great, a great thing. Or um, Natural's not in it on Marie Antoinette, you know, mm. uh, that was that, that sort of thing. Is it, really great because it's, uh, I, I like thinking uh, Sophia Coppola's thing. It was like trying to have some mutant view about history, and and, uh, and that was uh, quite a thrill, I think. Mutant view of history. There, there's some kind of headline somewhere in that, some kind of title <laughs> that goes around that. Your view of history is important, and I'll wrap that back around again with this Gang of Four box set, 77 to 81. It's legendary what you all done. I don't have to say anything that hasn't been said a million times before. It's important work. Uh, John, thank you so much for the music that you've given to the world. And thanks so much for talking about it today, too. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Adios. My thanks, John King. Gang of Four, the new box set is called 77 to 81. Big thanks to John. Big thanks to you for checking this out. Again, before you get out of here, I do hope you hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the interviews that we put out. Uh, Again, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast. YouTube has the video version. You can subscribe over there as well. Then after all of that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Again, that's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all of them at Kyle Meredith. Hope you like and follow along there as well. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.